Hey, good afternoon, everybody. We are back. Thank you again for joining Rankable episode 13. Topic today is how to how to effectively identify your target audience. Um, as always, I'm your host, Jared Thomas, Senior Account Executive from iPool Rank. I'm joined by two special guests, actually a co-host, my partner in sales, Michael Dellen. How are you doing, guys? Yes, and we also have joined by a very special guest, Holly Miller Anderson, right? Hello, hello, everyone. <laughs> Hey, Holly. So for, the, for those who are not familiar with Holly, so she brings a, a breadth of experience to this conversation today. So what we want to do is really discuss how to effectively target your, your, you know, identify your target audience. And Holly has, you know, she's a seasoned SEO strategist, worked at agencies, B2B, B2C brands to help them grow and accelerate their SEO strategies and also work with startups and most recently with in-house SEO product manager at Macy's.com and Bloomingdale's. Bloomies. <laughs> there you go. So, Shop the sales. There you go. <laughs> so our, our main goal today for those who are listening and for those first time joining. So Rankable is just our own platform where we basically have other digital marketers come to the platform and really discuss things that are happening in the industry, try to give you tips and tricks that you can hopefully implement to your own uh, business strategies and then take it from there. So our main goal today is really just showcase the importance of how to accurately identify your target audience for any business and how to how it really could impact other aspects of your business. Um, we'll also go through the process of how to identify target audience lookalikes from perspective of Mike and Holly. And then we also identify the right target audience and really how do you, once you identify that target audience, what are the steps you should take from there? So if you guys Spam want to- Spam them. Right? Spam them. No, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Sorry. Are we, are we live? Oh. <laughs> Keep selling. <laughs> so, <laughs> we'll, we'll start there, right? So let's start with the, with the top of the topic, right? So how- We'd love to hear from you both. So how do you effectively identify your target audience? What are some of the things that you look at and want to identify when you're looking at audience? Sure. Um, Michael, can I go first? Yeah, please. Awesome. So I come at this from two different perspectives, from the SEO perspective and from the marketing perspective. Uh, I've, I've been in both roles, but I think it's interesting to bring that to the table and talk about those two components, right? So you've got keyword research where SEOs take a look and they see who is looking you know, for X term, how many times per month. Uh, you can do your keyword research whenever you want, you know, quarterly basis, uh, seasonally, whatever, whatever works for you. Um, but there's also the marketing focus where you can say, okay, we're gonna take a, you know, an age range or household income or you know, demographic, psychographic information. Um, and that's kind of more of the persona building that that uh, marketing takes as an approach. And I think looking at those two and really, really putting those together is the key to actually finding the right audience. Um, and Michael, I'll let you jump in real quick before I go on about my rant about uh, audience and age ranges. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that what you're saying is is a really important thing to kind of understand is that you have two different pillars of audience research, but the key to, to audience strategy is actually combining those two different areas uh, into your persona. So not only are you understanding what the keywords are that specific personas might be searching for, uh, but also where they're at in the buyer's journey. And, and on top of that, really what uh, they're looking for in terms of what keywords they're searching for. And on top of that, where they're actually going to be looking for information and what kind of information they want to see and how that information is going to be uh, portrayed to them. Uh, so I really enjoyed kind of hearing about taking those two and combining them. Uh, in your opinion, Holly, just real quickly, like 
How do you think is a, is a great way to make sure that you're taking your findings from the SEO approach and from the marketing approach and combining them into something uh, that you can use for strategy? So I'm always looking at, at keyword research as, you know, the, the way that we prioritize what we should be focused on in terms of what our actual audience is looking for. You want to make sure that you are solving the right problems that you're you're touching on on the right pain points. So I I look to see what uh, what are people searching for that is their pain point that they're trying to solve, um, and then backing that into you know kind of awareness like the top of funnel content, the mm -hmm. mid funnel, and then you're like okay we're ready. This is product level information. We're ready to actually buy. Um, you know when you when you just look broadly at audiences, uh, you know with a with an age range you know, uh, male 25 to 40 years old, you know, <laughs> married, it's like, just stop, because <laughs> it's, it's so broad, it's so broad. And it, it doesn't help you as a, as a marketer or as someone leading product to really understand what someone, you know, within that age range is actually looking for. Um, and, you know, my, my real thing about that is like, let's, Let's just turn that on its head and and really look into five year increments. You know, let's mm -hmm. look at someone who's uh, twenty five to thirty, then thirty to thirty five, and then thirty five to forty, and take those each respectively because I think they'll be a lot more effective. Um, you know, someone who is twenty five is very different. They're in a different headspace. They're in a different life mm -hmm. stage than yeah. someone who. I mean, hopefully that's not a failure to launch, but um, you know, it's like 35, between 35 and 40, like you're just, you're completely different tax bracket, different yeah. earning income. Um, you know, maybe you've moved around a bit. Like it's just one of those things where marketers can no longer afford to just kind of paint with that broad brush and be like, yeah, it's like this age range and, you know, and women, you know, 20 to 40 need this skincare. And you're like, my skin was very different in my 20s as opposed to now, <laughs> you know, and I can spend, you know, differently just depending mm -hmm. on my income, blah, blah, blah. So that's, that's what I think uh, marketers are doing themselves a disservice, like really, uh, really niche down. I think it's mm -hmm. really appropriate to look at a broad scale, you know, and say, what's sort of the broad customer base here? But if you really want to be effective and find that that audience that is that, that can spend with you that, you know, that you want to talk to and nurture and spend your time on and develop, um, you need to really get specific. And yeah. I, I would say, like, you know, five years is is a good amount of time to really get the details right so that mm -hmm. you have the right, you know, the right talking points. You can address them in the right channels. You can find them. You can talk to them about how your product actually, you know, fits into their lifestyle or solves, you know, the problem that they're searching for. So, mm -hmm. yeah. And I think that's so a, such a good point. Done. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's such a good point because I feel that a lot of times marketers, when they're doing this type of research, uh, they kind of take the, the personal aspect out of the equation. And the fact of the matter is, is that if you think of yourself, as someone who could potentially be buying this product and you think about where you were as a 25 year old versus a 45 year old uh there should be a little light bulb that goes off in your head saying that there's a, a huge difference uh so really taking a step back and kind of understanding uh how you the consumer would view uh these different personas and how accurate they might actually be based on things like age ranges is, is something that a lot of people tend to 
forget. Uh, but I wanted to kind of ask this question because I'm also a little bit curious with this huge uh, digital shift that we're seeing right now with coronavirus where people can't even really go out and shop like they used to. Uh, my thought here would be that these wider age ranges actually might hold a lot more value in that people, let's call it 65 years old, maybe they weren't the first people to shop online, but now they're kind of being forced to. Uh, how does how does that kind of, uh, how do you kind of think about that? And uh, as a marketer, how do you, or how do you guys like prepare for uh, a shift like this or, or react to a shift like this so that you're understanding these new personas and the new way people are, are buying right now? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the, I think, uh, I think everyone, how long did we spend on like, you know, mobile first and, you know, like it's the age of mobile yeah, and the dawn of, yeah. how long did we spend on that? It's like digital, <laughs> digital's here to stay. Um, and for people that are new to the channel that are older, I think what, you know, what has really struck me the most, um, during this pandemic and during the shift, you know, to almost everyone having to do their searching online is uh, empathy. Brands really mm -hmm. need to have a lot more empathy for um, how people find them, how they how they want to interact with them. So, you know, probably the best example is uh, restaurants, you know, these mm -hmm. days. Um, I'm sure a lot of people are used to online shopping and, uh, you know, getting things done on Amazon. But you know, when you're when you're maybe looking to order food, uh, you know, or ask, uh, you know, restaurants notoriously do not have great websites. I'm yeah. sorry yeah. for their ordering, um, you know, but but when you look at uh, people that want to transact with you and, you know, they might want to call and say, well, I, I have this peanut allergy or how do I not, you know, make sure that uh, that the food's going to be safe or how is it delivered? You know, what what's your what's your cleanliness uh, process right now? Uh, do I come pick it up? Do you deliver it to me? Is there an extra fee? So there's so much, there's so much more that businesses have to really think through to, um, to empathize with the customer and really mm -hmm. help them understand, like, how do you, how can I help you be more comfortable with, you know, the, the process of doing business with us and, and mm -hmm. just that, that full communication, you know, soup to nuts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> food food yeah. references. Uh, <laughs> I must be hungry. Is it? Uh, is it lunch? I'm hungry. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's that's the biggest thing is that I think businesses for too long relied on people just walking in, browsing, you know, and spending money with them. And it's like, you know what? Everybody has options, and everyone mm. has different comfort levels as well. Like, you know, I, we've only my husband and I have only been dining outdoors only. And it's like, I was never skittish, but like, if we go into a restaurant and there's, you know, it's crowded or something like, nope, no, 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 you know, like we're, we're mm -hmm. getting out. And so yeah. it's, it's like, tell me uh, in your website or in your Google My Business um, that you have outdoor patio seating, you know, that your capacity is X or, you know, your hours are adjusted or what have you like, but, but bring that out because that's what I'm searching for as a customer who actually will take a chance and come out and spend money and mm -hmm. you know and, and be comfortable enough to sit outside but yeah that, that's what it takes is mm -hmm. figuring out what your customers are comfortable with or at least just articulating to the fullest effect of what you are doing as a business um on your website your social media just you know all the channels that you have communicate be empathetic and and tell people how you're navigating you know your business at this time 
Mm-hmm. I think that's a perfect vertical that you brought up, right? Restaurants, because like you said, most restaurants don't have a good website, right? They they focus on you coming in, you get the energy, the vibe, you know. Call you us, I pull rank. Call us. Call us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely, we'll do your website. We'll do all that good stuff. <laughs> Google my business pages are updated, but I think the ones that adapt, right? Because like you said, once we have that content on their page, right? What are we doing for outdoor seating, right? What is the capacity, right? How are we cleaning our, our facilities, right? Have we changed anything to our menu? And then it's even more important for a restaurant, why would I want you to go to Grubhub? Why would I want them to get an extra cut out of my revenue, right? Yep. So I think savvy now is like, exactly. how do I get a good user experience for my customer that would right. be to a delivery, in-person, things like that. So anybody who's in the restaurant field, Think about that, right? There's a huge opportunity for you to separate yourself from the pack and create a whole experience digitally that could work for your business. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And one thing I would want to add is, is you know, there, there's a step further that I think that you can be taking, especially once you understand who your audience is, is to then go ahead and educate your audience. Yeah. So not shove products or, or details in, in their face, but if you're one of the few places that has this absolutely unbelievable outdoor dining experience, uh, then you want to be explaining like why this outdoor dining experience is the way that it is and why this is different and why you should choose something like whatever this hypothetical restaurant may be um, Mm -hmm. able to offer. So, and and it, it spans everywhere. Like for example, if you're in, uh, if you're in e-commerce, maybe you, maybe you want to teach people about the, you know, length of short that you're wearing during the summer. Uh, Because if you're, you know, I want to know where you're going with this. (laughs) Basically what I'm getting at here is that, you know, in order for people no one's to wearing continue, pants, Michael. What are you talking about? <laughs> You're right. Well, hypothetically, if we weren't all working from home uh, and we had the need for uh, shorts, like like a conversation I've had in the past is about like short length and how people uh, don't necessarily know what the best short length is for them specifically. Everyone has a different body shape, and yeah. you know, you can see seven inches, and you're like, oh, that's the perfect length for me, but in reality, it looks like you're wearing a Speedo. Yeah. Uh, so it's differently, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So understanding her, your audience persona and uh, and really who they are and what kind of information is gonna bring them back onto your website uh, is gonna really help in moving them from awareness down to the purchase area. Uh, and I think that if you're continuing to educate your, uh, your customers, they're continuing to use you as a source of information and they're valuing your input a lot higher, which will then cause them to hopefully purchase down the end. So I think the whole education piece is something that uh, a lot of people kind of overlook, but you should really be trying to educate every single one of your personas to help move them down towards a potential sale. Absolutely. Yeah. You're, you know my line, teach them how to fish, they'll learn you sell fishing poles, right? You don't have to sell, you don't have to just keep on throwing product at them, just, you know, deliver what they want, right? And I think Holly hit it the best earlier when she was talking about the, the keywords and how you map it to the intent and understand where they are in the buyer's funnel so you could personalize content, which creates a better user experience. And I love to learn from you, Holly, like what are some of the tools that you use in order to get this information? And then once you do get this, how, how what are some ways that you're actually implementing it across marketing, across your entire marketing team? I love it. Um, I've got two and and uh, one that I'll touch on first is uh, from my time when I was at Macy's, uh, mm-hmm. listening to customer phone calls is key. So big. Oh, like really? we, you know, as a, as a group, our VP of product would bring us in and, you know, we'd have a couple of the, um, you know, customer service phone calls 
that had come in and you know you could you could hear the pain the customer was going through and they're like but my cart is just it's not loading just something's going on right now or like i thought this was the discount and now it's not working and so you're you know as i think day to day when we look at our own website we're kind of blind to some of those things that are going on and so if you actually have customer data that that you can tap into um you know do it because that's going to be i think the the biggest thing you know when you really when you really put yourself in someone else's shoes and you listen to what they're going through maybe you can't recreate the problem you know as they were seeing it at the time but you can start to really understand like oh maybe we need to carry over you know the information onto you know the last page so that you know they they've got all that information in their cart maybe there's something better that we can do you know with the explanation um you know explaining the you know the actual product itself uh the quantity or whatever yeah. but those are the things that you really start to hear and, and see when you listen to what real customers are going through when they're when they're just trying to transact mm -hmm. um and so that's um, that's you know an insight that I got from the product side, uh, was really really listening to your customers. And the second piece um, is really from uh, you know from the consulting side when I get a chance to work with different um, companies, you know, on their challenges. I've really enjoyed Spark Toro, um, which is Rand Fishkin's new uh, product, and shout it's a, a yeah, shout out Rand, <laughs> um, you know, and uh, and happy birthday to his wife as well. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Rand's got this awesome tool, and it's it's one of those things where I mean he's opened it up so you get like ten free searches or something a month right now, mm -hmm. um, but you can go in and it's an audience insight tool. So basically, if you think about um, you know, if you're like, you're someone that maybe you like RVing, you know, and doing, you know, little road trips and kind of taking your family, what else, you know, what else could, uh, could you be interested in? Where, where else would you be online? Like what, you know, videos are you watching? What magazines are you, uh, potentially subscribing to, you know, digitally or, uh, you know, what other content are you consuming, uh, across social, you know, email, television. Podcast. So, yeah, it's like, that's almost to me with an advertising background that's that's like a media plan you know mm -hmm. so when you start to really look at it and you're like okay what kind of what is this who is this audience you know uh we know we know we have our product and what we think people you know might be interested in but they're real people and they they have lives and they go out and they do mm -hmm. things and they consume other content and so wouldn't it be interesting if they also saw your brand you know, in, uh, you know, in this episode of, of X or, mm -hmm. you know, in this, um, you know, in their feed, you know, and it's, yes, that's remarketing in a way, um, but it's, it's almost, it's strategic placement. And so when yeah. you start to really know the where, you can start dropping the what, which is your product and your service and really being relevant to that lifestyle and that, um, that you know receptive side of the consumer mm -hmm. when they're not searching for you but they see you in another space and another place where they are online yeah, yeah. I, I think that's incredibly important what you just brought it uh the main reason why is because people kind of think of these different marketing uh digital marketing segments as being totally separate mm -hmm. uh but it's important not, to understand yeah yeah that they all work together uh and whether it be social or paid media or organic or email all of the messaging has to work towards bringing those personas through the buyer's journey and uh you know another great thing to really understand is that eyeballs 
equal like branding success. Every time you can get an eyeball on you, subconsciously people are thinking, yeah. you know, oh, this is a brand, then they see it again. Oh, I've seen this brand a couple of times. And the amount of value that comes from just seeing a brand on different channels over and over again uh, is really almost immeasurable, although I'm sure there's actually a number for it. Uh, <laughs> Adverti yeah, advertising people are like, oh, it's measurable. It's, me it's impressions, yeah, impressions. Exactly. Uh, but uh, I'm sure everyone can imagine how just getting people to see you, whether they're on Instagram or LinkedIn or in a Google search or, or what have you, is going to be so powerful in terms of actually bringing up uh, or bringing about purchases down the road. Uh, so really thinking of everything digitally as one actual unit where it's not siloed out is actually how you create that great messaging across the different channels of digital marketing and then bring people through that purchase funnel. Yeah. Uh, now, one quick question I had for you, Holly, and I think you might be excited to talk about this is uh, how, how does, how does, uh, what's kind of the relationship that you see between audience uh, and persona research and then, uh, you know, taxonomy within your website? Yeah, um, I am going to nerd out now. <laughs> <laughs> um, taxonomy for just as a, you know, as a concept for everybody out there is uh, what you it's the words that you use in your top level navigation on your website. And so, um, you know, if you've if you've kind of traveled abroad, you would know that um, Australians use the word, uh, you know, trainers and I think in Europe, too. Um, yeah. They use the word trainers, whereas here in the U.S., <clears throat> excuse me, we're using sneakers. And so, you know, when you start to look at things from that level, you're like, OK, do are we are we open to an international audience or do we have uh, a U.S. site versus a U.K. and an Australian mm -hmm. site yeah. uh, where we want to change that word? Because that that word is going to resonate, you know, uh, differently uh, across the pond and, you know, in different yeah. uh, in different geos. Um, but that, you know you have to realize that people have their own way of looking for things. And I think mm -hmm. that's, you know, if I can toot the SEO horn, that's why SEO is so great. It's because we can give you that keyword research, you know, and bring this to the merchandising team and, uh, you know, across the, you know, the social teams as well and email and be like, well, not email because it's a push channel, sorry. Um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you want to be like, here's what people are looking for. Here's the way that they're describing this product, but we're calling it this, which mm -hmm. means getting any traffic to that, you know, that page and that category because nobody calls it that. Yeah. And so that, you know, it's like stop being so arrogant, you know, <laughs> as a as a brand, or, you know, if I can for a second and just say, if you want, if you want those sales, you you need to speak their language. You yeah. need to understand your audience, uh, you know, how when they want to interact with you, where, how how they're speaking about different things, how they want to solve problems. And and put that into your navigation because that's yeah. the quickest way to really reflect and, and show that reciprocity of like, I get you, I get, this is what you need and it's easy to find. And you know, here it is. It's not 20 clicks deep in a category that you've never thought of before, you know? So that to me, uh, if you can really, I think taxonomy, I think it's an ongoing thing, especially if uh, for a company like Macy's, you know, if you sell clothes or you have seasonality to things, you do need to kind of, consider those things as you go. Yeah. Uh, but most companies probably would need, uh, you know, I mean, a, a yearly look, you know, a hard look at their mm -hmm. taxonomy to say, are we still in the right category? Is this still resonating with people? Or has the product changed? Do we need mm -hmm. to think about the category differently? Okay. You know, um, there's always opportunity out there. And, and so 
that's a that's a I think it's one of the smaller overlooked aspects of uh, you know website design, but taxonomy mm -hmm. uh, is really going to be a a nice win for people if you can kind of adjust it to the actual audience and, and what they're actually looking for. Definitely, I think that it's like a it's it's oftentimes a matter of respect in a lot of ways, or, or mm -hmm. just put wording things or, or having things uh, show up at, like even in your content in a way that speaks to the actual persona that you're looking to go after. So if you're a, a Canadian and uh, an American company and you have two different websites, like it might make sense to at least understand that if they're going to say color, they spell it with a U. Like when people are in Canada, they're going to be looking for that. And it might not be the reason they don't buy, but it, it might be the reason eye, why. Right? It could be a missed opportunity. It could mm -hmm. be because people just want to see that you understand that if you're if you're uh, operating in a certain market, that you're actually speaking the way that people there speak. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think that that definitely branches into like the the content trans creation form of things, which is mm -hmm. that uh, you know there's obviously translation where you're going in and uh, totally editing content to be in a different language. But then there's also these small little subtleties that are really going to make a huge difference in the eyes of your consumer. Wow. Uh, and and catering to those and understanding the way people like to be spoke to in different geo regions or the different terminology that they use is so important to have someone in a UK or a, uh, or an Australian market see a US product and be like, wow, they actually understand and no wonder they're doing well in Australia. They totally have it down. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I definitely think that that's a, a really good point that you brought up there. And, uh, you know, back to the whole persona behind it, uh, you know, it, it does a lot for them to actually see that you're writing content with them actually in mind. And it really helps in, in building that brand trust. Yeah. I actually have a question for you both. Like, like say for instance, I, I'm, I'm an e-commerce brand. I just started out, right? I don't have the resources in order to get the Spark Tarot and, and you, you, know, you know, resources and, and tools things that help us identify the audience. What would be step one to identifying that audience? And what are some things they could do with limited budget or limited resources to do some of the things that we're discussing now? So we want the free tools? Is that is that the secret uh, now? No, no. <laughs> what, like, what would you if you're starting an e-commerce brand right now? Like what would what would be step one for you? Yep. Um I've got a great quote for that, but I will I will jump off and say that uh, the first thing that you should probably do is check the SERP. Uh, you know, type in what you would think would be something that someone would search for with your product yeah. and see what comes up. You know, I, I've worked with companies where they have no concept of the fact that people aren't searching for what they're trying to solve for. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you're, that means you're creating a new category. That's so much work, you know, because you've got to market this and you've got to tell people about the the problem they don't know they have yet. And that's a, that's a really long haul. Yeah. And so if you're, if you're just starting out, the 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 more tactical approach, the the faster you know to market is make sure you're solving a problem people actually have. And mm -hmm. yes, you'll probably have to be competitive against someone else that's maybe already out there, um, but that's your your you know your customer research or your um, your competitor research to find out who else is also in this category. Um, but I'll I'll pull up the the quote that I saw on Twitter today for our our. Tar talk today. Um, this was by April Dunfold, and she got it from a uh, a quote from an article by uh, Greg Krogan, and uh, it says, "Category creation is not a shortcut. Eighty-eight percent of B two B startups reach the IPO milestone by marketing themselves in existing categories." 
So huge. Jared, that's huge. that's it, right? You're like, don't huge. don't try to solve for a problem that people conceptually, you know, that they don't actually have, or that is something that is so far down the line that you have to start by the awareness and and telling them like, you know, you, you don't realize when you take your shoes off, you've got all these microbes underneath your shoes, and you need to buy this product <laughs> to spray your carpet, and it's like, what? No, yeah, I just, yeah. I want to come in and put my shoes on a rack and that's it. I mean, so <laughs> yeah. you're like, solve for the actual problem that people have, you know, use the language that they have for the, the pain points that they're searching for. And that's the, that's the fastest way to market and the fastest way to help people, you know? So don't waste your time on something that they, that they're not really looking for yet. Yeah. It's too hard. <laughs> Totally. I, yeah. I heard a quote from Dave Gerhardt, who we're actually going to have on next week. So if you guys don't know, he's the CMO of Privy, but he said something that was really cool and just simplified everything. It's like marketing, your whole goal as a marketer is just to make sales easy. Yes. So whatever that entails, whether it's content, whether it's making sure they have the, you answer the question, right? Whether you're creating awareness for the brand, whatever you're doing, right? Just make sales easier. And that there is no one size fits all for that, right? Depending mm -hmm. on your product, depending on your solution, depending on what channels they're on and engaging with. Right. But there's so much opportunity out there. Just understand who your audience is, who your target market is and who's going to buy from you. Mm -hmm. And then you'll tweak and optimize as you go. The first piece of content might not be a hit. Right. But then you could also repurpose that content. How do you make that into a social post? How do you make that into a video? How do you make that into so many different things? So as a person just starting up, you know, utilize your resources well and, you know, do more with less. Right. Understand your audience and just try to make sales easier, whatever way works for you. Mm hmm. And do a SWOT analysis if you if you really want to understand. <laughs> That's free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you would think that most, if not all, new businesses are doing something along those lines. But if you're not, I mean, the best way to understand where you sit is is to do an analysis like that, um, and then you know bring in new findings as you start to build things out. But you know, step one, if you haven't done it, do a SWOT analysis. Uh, it'll help you in positioning yourself and your company. Um, but with that, it, it looks like we're uh, running a little low on time. So I figure we open it up. To, does anyone have any questions uh, that we can answer for you guys while we're still here? If so, just feel free to drop it in the chat. Yeah, and if, not, if you want to you know, connect with us afterwards, I'll make sure to send all of our LinkedIn's. Please make sure you connect with us. You know, we don't bite. <laughs> <Feel free to, laughs> you know, we're always happy to help you guys. So. Absolutely, and with that, I'll uh, I'll put my LinkedIn in the uh, in the chat. If anyone has any questions related to uh, audience and well, I guess SEO, digital marketing in general, always willing to lend a helping hand and, and chat a little bit more about it. Do we have uh, like five oh, more minutes? Can yeah, we talk we about the, yeah. the LG yeah, sure. that we yeah, talked we about earlier? Yeah, yeah. It looks um, like somebody has a question real quick. Do you guys want to answer that first, or? Says, sure. how can you use a tool like GA to identify who your audience is? How can you yeah. use a tool like Google Analytics? Mm -hmm. um, obviously, you should be using GA. That's uh, that's one of the free tools that's out there. You know, one of the best ways is to look at your top landing pages. Uh, keywords were taken away a long time ago, so I think you have a level of detail in there, but you probably want to see where people are going. Um, on your site and which pages they're they're actually taking a look at and which ones are actually useful you mm -hmm. can take bounce rate into consideration um, but it depends on your content like if you're providing you know if you've got a page that's just you know the business name and the address people are going to bounce from that pretty quickly because they got the information they needed and they're going to be out 
So, mm -hmm. you know, take that with a grain of salt, but look at the pages that, uh, that are your top performing landing pages um, under your content drill down section and make sure that people are actually getting what they need when they get to those pages and that they are either, you know, uh, signing up for an e-newsletter from you or they're getting to other pages where they can, you know, convert and purchase from you. Um, you know, so make sure to kind of evaluate that the pages people are getting to are the ones that are good for them as a visitor, but also good for you as a business. Mm -hmm. Which also goes back to the user experience where we were discussing, right? So if you go to a certain landing page and like you said, if you see a high bounce rate, that could be indicative of you not having the right content there. You're not answering the right question. Maybe you don't have enough content on the page, right? There's so many different things that you could look at just from GA, but that's definitely something that you should be looking at to identify your audience, right? Understand what pages they're going to, what it's like, and how can you tweak and optimize, right? To lead them to that conversion. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And Holly, what was that last topic you wanted to go over real quickly? Oh, I was going to give the example um, that we talked about in, in the green room before we came on. So oh, yeah. like, like a great example of knowing your audience right now um, is a, a commercial that uh, has been hitting mm -hmm. RTV lately a lot. And it's by LG. So they make, uh, they make TVs, mm -hmm. they make uh, refrigerators. And this particular commercial is for their, it's an ice making machine that's inside of uh, the refrigerator and it makes like these ice, like perfect ice balls. So you can put them your in cocktails. What's that? For your whiskey. For your whiskey, exactly. Yeah. But so what I loved about this commercial in, you know, and what resonated with me about what we're talking about here is that this commercial, if you look it up on YouTube, it's like, it's called, um, I'm gonna make sure, oh, Be A Baller. That's what it's called. Mm -hmm. So if you look it up, like Be A Baller by LG, uh, they have, uh, probably like four, three, four different audience groups. Like, so it'll be the little kids that are putting the ice balls in their chocolate milk and, you know, a guy who, a uh, single bachelor who's, you know, putting it in his, his scotch or his whiskey, you know, at, at the end of the night. And it's like grandma is dropping the, you know, the ice balls into her drinks, you know, with, with her lady mm -hmm. friends, the Red Hat Club. And, you know, it's like, it really shows you who, I mean, little kids aren't making a purchase for a, refrigerator, but they're mm. probably influencing it in, you know, in some way. Um, and so you can have multiple audiences that use the same product and being aware of how they do that, you know, like they're, they're all ballers, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, but they're all doing it in their own way. And it's the same product, but each mm. person uses it differently, puts it into a different drink, different cocktail or what have you. Uh, and so that was just, I, I was like, that is like, that's knowing your audience. That's Absolutely. so well done. Absolutely. Well done. That, that, that's a great part of that. Like knowing your audience is one thing, but knowing what to expect from them and knowing what to deliver to them is the, is the holy grail of it, right? You mm -hmm. understand your audience, right? That was a broad brush, right? Everybody can use ice, but at the same time, it's like, how do you make it feel all inclusive, right? So now if I'm, you know, I'm a father, I'm like, okay, my, my son can use this in milk. I could use this in my whiskey. Yeah. Grandma could use this in her. Everybody can use it. I'm going. Everybody needs it. <laughs> I'm going. It's a way of showing how they solve the problem in a cool way. Yeah. Cool. Oh, I like that with the ice. Cool way. Yep. Oh, there you go. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I definitely want to thank you again, Holly. Like, I really enjoyed the conversation. This was uh, super helpful. It was very informative. And we really appreciate you, you know, joining on Rankable episode 13. Absolutely. Thank you for everyone.
Yeah, of course. Of course. We're going to do another one. We definitely have to. <laughs> We're going to do another one. But um, I just want to say thank you to everybody at home. Thank you for all the, the watchers, the viewers. Um, we're on episode 13 now because of your support. So we really, really appreciate it. Um, you know, we're looking forward to more. We have LinkedIn All-Star next week with Dave Gerhardt. And then we have another one with Darren Alpert the next week, who is actually a uh, when he actually has a business that's invested by Mark Cuban. So he's going to tell us how to, you know, pitch your business to VCs and things like that should be really cool. So we have a great couple of weeks. Thank you all for the continued support and anything we can do to help you guys, please let us know. And thank you again. Yeah. Thank you guys so much, Holly. Thank you so much as well. Uh, really had a great time chatting with you all today. Perfect. Have Absolutely. a great one. Enjoy. Bye guys. Thank okay. you. Bye.